Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. Real people experiencing real change because of a real Savior. Amen. Amen. Such good truth. Um, and just, just in case this is um, something God wants me to say this morning, um, uh, some of you, I'm, I'm guessing, have uh, adult or grown kids who are not walking in the way that you might want them uh, to be or in the faith that you want them to be. And I uh, want to speak that blessing over you specifically this morning, that um, his favor would be upon you for a thousand generations, on you and your family and your children and their children. Um, and I, um, I don't know what this song makes you think and feel this morning, but I, um, I pray you can receive that that blessing this morning, that, um, that God uh, is with you um, and he is with them and, and may his favor be upon you and your family for generations to come. Uh, this morning, we're gonna uh, continue to dive into the book of Romans. Um, have, have you ever felt uh, like you were just a little different from the people around you? <laughs> Has your mother ever felt like you were a little different from the people? Okay. <laughs> ever felt like you just didn't quite fit in? Uh, I maybe have a lot of experience with that particular feeling. Uh, and yet, a couple months ago, I had the privilege and uh, honor of being able to officiate a funeral for a Korean man and his family. And at one point, I looked around and realized that I was the only white person in the room and realized that for me, having grown up in small towns in the state of Washington, that's probably the first time that has ever happened to me, that I was the only white person in the room. And looking around going, I bet that's an experience that the people in this room have had often. <laughs> and and it's, this is new for me is a sense of, boy, I don't know if I belong here. They were incredibly gracious and welcoming and all of those things, but there was this sense of like, I stick out <laughs> in this space. Again, not completely new for me. I mean, this is uh, middle school stuff for most of us, right? It's the feeling of walking into the cafeteria with your plastic lunch tray and going, Either A, I don't know where I'm going to sit, or B, after you've done it a few times, going, well, I know I can sit at that table or that one, but I definitely can't sit at that table. Now, maybe some of you were the really cool ones who could sit at any table you wanted. That, I know this is going to be a shock. That was not my experience. Uh, you're laughing like that wasn't a shock. Anyway, uh, there's this, this sense of like, well, I, okay, I, I might belong here, Maybe, although I think most teenagers go through their entire teenage existence going, they tell me I belong here, <laughs> but I'm not quite so sure. We just feel like we're different. Like, I, I don't know where I fit. And, and I would like to suggest that maybe instead of thinking of ourselves as different, although that in and of itself is fine, then maybe we should be thinking about ourselves differently. 
and this is, this is not a, a self-help, positive mindset talk, I promise. We've just been talking about living differently and thinking differently and being transformed by God. And Paul uh, wrote to the Roman church about this idea of letting God transform us and transforming the way that we think. And last week we read these verses out of Romans chapter 12, starting in, uh, we started in verse three, where Paul writes, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. And in modern times, we would, we would define that last sentence as humility. So don't think of yourself as better than you are. That would be being a, a humble person. I would like to suggest that the next sentence is an even better definition of humility because there's also the honest recognition of who we are and the value we do have. Jesus was exceptionally good at that. If humility is just talk badly about yourself, Jesus was not a very humble person because he didn't. <laughs> he understood the value that he had as being connected to, to God. And we need to know the value we have as creations, as loved creations of, of God. So, so Paul says, don't think you are better than you really are, but be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And we talked last week about how we honestly measure ourselves. That another way to look at that sentence is to say that we measure ourselves by the standard of our faith. And the standard of our faith is Jesus. And so we compare ourselves to Jesus and go, well, yeah, I don't, I don't compare very well to the perfect life that Jesus lived, to the perfect expression of being the image of God and loving the world around him. I don't measure up very well to that. But we measure ourselves by the standard of our faith, both by looking at Jesus's life, but also recognizing how Jesus looks at us. And that when he looks at us, he sees us through his grace and his love. He sees you as being valuable and lovable, as being valued and loved and forgivable. So the way we tend to measure ourselves is through comparing ourselves to others or some of us by looking at our highest moment or our lowest moment and saying, this is what makes me, me. We measure ourselves by our shame or by, by just trying to compensate with, for that by comparing ourselves to others and going, well, at least I'm not that person. And, and if we're doing that, we're not honestly measuring ourselves. We're looking at our high, highest or lowest or we're looking at what we can see in another person and we're measuring them. But an honest measurement of ourselves would be to look at Jesus as the standard of our faith and to recognize how he looks at us. And Paul goes on to say that we, we belong to Christ, that our identity is in Christ. And we talked about how it's not in our labels. It's not in the words of our critics. It's not in all of our achievements or whatever we may be trying to measure ourselves with, but that our identity is in Christ. And we so belong to Christ that we can be described as the body of Christ. Not just you, but, but all of us. We so belong to Christ. We, we belong to Christ to the same level that your body belongs to you. We're so much a part of him, belong to him. And as 
part of the body of Christ, as belonging to Christ together, just like my fingers and my knees and my eyes belong to me because they're part of the body and belong to each other because they're all part of the same body, we belong to one another. We belong to Christ, and in belonging to the body of Christ, we belong to each other. And so in belonging to each other, all of us belonging to Christ together, we said last week that the body of Christ, that Christ's church, that that this is just true of Christ's church, and so because it's true of, of the Jesus church, it needs to be true of us. In Christ's church, you belong here. You belong here, and so do they whoever they is, the people that you don't like or disagree with or look down on, they also belong in the presence of God and the love of Jesus. They belong to Christ too. But don't, don't miss this. So do you. You belong to Jesus. You belong here in the body of Christ, which brings up this question for me. What does it mean to belong? You talk about belonging to Christ. What, what does that even mean? Is this like when you signed up for the fraternity or sorority in college, like you belong to, what, what does it mean to belong? What does it mean to say that we all belong to each other? And it, I think we live in a day and age where we belong to things and we say we belong to things because of how they benefit us. Whether that's the fraternity in college or the savings plan, like sure target have all of my information and uh, my email address and all of my shopping habits so that I can save my 5%. Absolutely. Savings or uh, dollar shave club or one of those daily meal plans that gets sent to you in the mail. We belong to these things because of the benefits we receive from them. We say, sure, I will belong to this program, this system, this gym, because I get some sort of convenience or financial benefit from it. Uh, And the American church, of which, of course, we are a part of that. I just want to make sure I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about all of us. The American church for a while now has been talking about belonging to Jesus and belonging to church with this kind of language in this way of saying, you should really give your life to Jesus because you will benefit in this way and this way and this way. And you should become a member of the church because you'll have this benefit and this benefit from it. Now, we're not lying to people. Those things are true. We're not trying to trick people. We just have understood that people sign up to belong to something because of the benefits we receive from it. And so we have borrowed that language from culture and said, sure, come and belong for all these reasons that it benefits you. So there are probably many different ways we could define belonging and what it means to belong. For today, I want to talk about this definition that belonging means value added. Belonging means value added. And I wanna be a little bit careful here for a couple reasons. One, uh, I know this is a business term. And so those of you with business minds are are thinking about things that I don't mean. So stop being business-like for a second. (laughs) 
And, and, uh, and I'll explain better what I mean after I say what I don't mean, because I don't mean the business term, but I also don't mean that you somehow are more valuable if you belong to something. I don't mean that, that you have to belong to something to have value. You have intrinsic value as a creation of God. As, as one that God loves and, and died for and, and, and has made and, and goes with, you, you have intrinsic value as a creation, as a loved creation of God. So I don't mean like somehow value is added to you. What I do mean is that we tend to think of belonging as being very relational or emotional. We use the word feel a lot when we talk about belonging. And, and that's, that's fine because that's also accurate. I think we, we say, well, I just feel like I fit. A lot of you have said those things about East Hills to me. I just feel like I belong here. Like we walked in, we just felt like we fit. Or maybe you walk into a new job and on that first day you go, oh, I feel like I fit here. Like this is, this is great. There's this feel sense with belonging and I do think that's part of it. I wanna turn the dial just a little bit and talk about how we evaluate whether we belong in a group or relationship. And I think this is mostly subconscious. I just want to pull it out and, and take a look at it. How do we evaluate? Does this, like we evaluate belonging, but we evaluate belonging. I'm going to try to speak English. It'll go better. We evaluate belonging with things like, do I feel like this group of people wants me here? As somebody said uh, last night as we were talking through this, does it feel like there's an open spot at the table for me? Do I feel like they've made room for me, that they want me here? Does, does this group of people make me feel seen or important or loved? Okay, well, then I, then I belong. And if we're with a group of people that makes us feel overlooked and unwanted and unimportant, that's that moment in middle school where we go, I don't belong here. And they're making it very clear I don't. And so if we don't, if we don't feel wanted or seen, if we don't have the benefits of being wanted and seen, we go, I don't, I don't belong here. That's just sort of how we evaluate whether we fit. We evaluate belonging by the value it adds to us. We see this in dating and marriage. When people are dating, if, if you talk to, I'll just, I'll just pick on young adults for a second, because um, some of us got married young. And um, <laughs> my wife laughing, that's a bad sign. Anyway, so it was, it was a long time ago. I'm not young anymore. Anyway, um, when you talk to a 18, 19, 20, 21 year old person about why they're so in love with this other person, they will tell you good things about that person. That's great. Inaccurate and true. I have no doubt. And the reason that date two happened is because on date one, they went, this person makes me laugh. This person makes me feel wanted. This person makes me feel loved. And as that relationship grows, what's growing in them and their desire to be around that other person all the time is they make me laugh all the time and, and they're super interesting, great, but that means 
I'm interested, like I get to listen to them, I get to learn whatever, I get to feel wanted, I get to feel loved. And, and if we can check off all those boxes, we go, great, let's get married, right? And, and we can talk about the other person all we want, but dating relationships happen. People decide to get married because of how that other person benefits them. That was probably super cynical, sorry. Anyway, it's just true, it's what we do. And, and so we make these like lifelong commitments to somebody based on that feeling of, do they add value to my life? Am I feeling better when I'm around this person? We evaluate belonging by value added. And this may sound surprising given all of that, but I actually don't think we're that far off of what belonging really means. And I get that idea from what Paul says next in Romans 12. And it'd be easy to look at this, these next three verses, and especially in our English Bibles where it's a whole separate paragraph, and say, this is a new thought. Like verses four and five, he talked about functions within the body, and he talked about belonging. And now these next three verses, he's going to pull on that functions idea, and he's going to talk about how we function. But I think Paul is telling us how we belong to one another. So, Chapter 12, verse six. In his grace, Paul writes, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. In other words, belonging is not defined by how we benefit or what we receive, but how we use our gifts to benefit and bless those to whom we belong. Belonging is value added, but an honest measure of our belonging starts with how am I adding value to those to whom I belong? Again, we see this in dating and marriage. We may initially fall in love because of the value added to our lives, that this person completes us, right? That's what we talk about. They complete me. Actually, I hope nobody talks about it. I mean, if you talk about it like that, it's fine. Just don't talk about it like that to me or I'll roll my eyes at you. So just be forewarned. We fall in love because of the value added to our lives. But we know when we, when we step up to vow marriage, what we're saying is, I belong to you. And we don't really use those words, but even if you use the most traditional of vows, it's saying in this circumstance or this one, I'm with you. In this circumstance or this one, I'm with you. I'm staying with you. I belong to you and you belong to me. We're belonging to one another. I'm yours. So barring abuse or their choice to belong to someone else, our evaluation of the question, do I still belong in this marriage, should start with and center around, can I add value to their life in love? Can I be a blessing and a benefit to them? That's where the evaluation 
starts of our belonging. Our belonging to any group or cause or relationship may start with how does it benefit me, but as it continues, belonging to a cause, to a mission, to a relationship becomes about how do I add value to this mission, to this cause, to this group, to this relationship? Okay. Uh, this is gonna feel like a, a right-hand turn, but I promise I'll connect it in just a second. I was not able to think about this message or uh, read this, uh, these last three verses in Romans 12 this week without thinking about the movie Encanto. Has anybody seen this new Disney movie, Encanto? Anybody, a few of us? Okay, this, this may be, the reason I, I probably thought about it a lot is because the songs from Encanto are either getting sung or played in my house all the time. For not talking about Bruno, we talk about Bruno a lot. <laughs> now I know who watched it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who haven't seen this movie, uh, the general premise is that there is, and you should, by the way, see this movie. Very entertaining. Very cute. Um, very, very catchy. Anyway, the, the premise of this movie is that there is a uh, family that has been bestowed some magical gifts to benefit the people around them. That, that they have things like super strength and uh, healing powers and, or the ability to talk to animals or to affect the weather, whatever it might be. And the, the townspeople are, all, are very grateful for them. And, and these people with their superpowers are sort of elevated and praised because of the things they can do to help the townspeople. The townspeople kind of look to them to improve their way of life and make things better in their little town. Now, we tend to believe that the impressive gifts are the ones that add value. That the ones that we can see, that the ones that get platformed and put on a stage or made really public, that, that the gifts that get a round of applause, those are the ones that are the most valuable. And you can even hear it in our language. We talk about athletes and musicians and maybe famous writers as gifted people. Because if you, can, if you can get a round of applause for it, you must be truly gifted. If you can get attention, if you can get influence, if you can get platform, those are the things that really matter. But did you know that kindness is a gift? Paul says, and if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. When you think of kindness, take, take a second to think about kindness and a person or persons who come to mind. I think we all have some people who would come to mind when we think about somebody who's kind and who's a blessing to others because of their kindness. Now look, I have sat under and listened to some incredible leaders and teachers and musicians. I... I have been very blessed by people with those giftings. There are also a number of leaders and teachers and musicians that I have heard, listened to, followed, who haven't added any value to my life long-term or maybe even any value to my life in the moment. But every person who has used gifts of, of kindness or encouragement or service in my life, every single one of them has added value in the moment 
and many of them long-term over time. I don't know what you think of when you reflect on your life, your skills and abilities, your gifts, because I promise you have some. I don't know what you think of when you think of the gifts you have to be able to bless other people. But please don't underestimate the value of the gift you have to give. Please don't underestimate the benefit and the impact that your gift could have on the people that God has called you to love, the people that you are around. So a couple of reflection questions. One would be, who do you belong to? What, what, what are the places and people you belong to? It, for instance, if you live in Cowlitz County, you belong here. I mean, just theologically, we've, if we believe that God has placed us, our church, our homes, our families in this place, then we belong here. You belong to this place. So what are you doing? How are you using your gifts to bless and benefit and add value to our community? If you're a leader, lead. If you're a teacher, teach. If you have the ability to speak truth or to dig in and serve when others won't, then do that. And in that way, be a blessing to our community. If you belong to this church community, if you belong to East Hills, whether you're an official member or not, if you belong here, we belong to each other. How are you using your gifts to bless the other people in this belonging? And I don't just mean the, the, the organization, although that's, that's great. Feel free to give generously. We won't turn you down. But how are you blessing the people that we belong to? If you are a follower of Jesus, you belong to the kingdom of God. We believe that Jesus has saved us and pulled us out of our sin and given us a new identity and given us a new eternity, that we haven't just stepped into the, the river of eternity sometime down the road, but, but now that God has made us citizens of heaven, not just later, but now we are citizens of the kingdom of God together. And in fact, everybody who has said yes to Jesus and desires him with their heart has has stepped into that kingdom of God and is citizens of the kingdom of God. And so we belong to each other, not just the people who meet in these walls, but the kingdom of God. Now look, there are some churches out there, some movements out there who have with all that they can given their life to Jesus. And I radically disagree with some of them. We belong to each other as part of the kingdom of God. In your family, you have people that you belong to. Maybe you have a workplace that you belong to and you belong to one another there. Your neighborhood, again, our community at large. Who do you belong to? And then the big question, 
that I'd love to have us reflect on and answer and apply this week is what gift do you get to give? What gift do you get to give? Like with belonging, I think sometimes we can think of the gifts we've received from God as being beneficial to us. God has given me this gift so that I can meet uh, this need, so that I can have this influence, so that um, I can feel needed. But our gifts aren't for us. Our gifts are so that we can give them away, so that we can add value, be loving, be a blessing to the people around us, to the places and people that we belong to. And if when we ask this question, what gift do you get to give? And you go, I have no idea. Um, One, maybe get somebody else who can help you honestly evaluate yourself. Because if you go, nah, I don't have one, you may not be thinking too highly of yourself, but you're also not honestly evaluating yourself. That might be step one. Have somebody else help you honestly measure your gifting. But if you don't wanna do that, here's a simple one. If you're not sure what gift is yours to give, this week, give generously, be encouraging, be kind. And watch what God can do as you give yourself to others and to him as we give ourselves away, as we add value and blessing and love to the people around us. Because all of us can step better into those things. Give generously, be encouraging, be kind. As we seek to do that uh, this week, let me pray for us as the worship team comes up. Father God, Thank you for the many ways that you have blessed us. And God, in the ways that you have blessed us, we know that you are asking me, asking us to be a blessing to others. So God, we give you ourselves, we give you our lives, we give you our gifts. And we ask that you would work through those gifts to benefit one another, to add love to how we care for each other. That you would accept our gifts and our giving of them to others as an act of worship to you, as part of our praise of you, as part of us giving our lives to you. Father, would you sustain us as we give? Would you give us the courage to give generously of ourselves and of the gifts you have given us? We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for checking out our podcast. Find out more or connect online at easthillsalliance.org.